Last week, we, uh, we taught on what the prophets did not see, what they saw and what they did not see. <clears throat> we gave you some charts, showed you some charts on that. And I'm not going to go into details, only to just let you know that what I'm going to talk to you here today is somewhat of an extension of that. And I've got some very good things to show you from the Word of God here today. And uh, I'm going to refer to the first one that I show you because it's, it's wise to understand that the prophets of the Old Testament did not see certain things about the New Testament. And Jesus even said they, they would that they could see into it, but they could not. They did not, the Lord did not reveal it unto them. There were things they did not see. We talked to you extensively last week about it, showed you verses and scriptures, and also <clears throat> explained why that there were gaps in the Old Testament where they would go from the, the, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, and then they would go all, all the way over to the coming of Christ at Armageddon not even showing the church age at all. And we gave you scripture. I'm not going to go back over all of that here today, but I want to go into a, another, a little bit different direction and show you some other things here that's in connection with it. This is the chart that I showed you. Uh, the first one, let me get them some light on it here. It'll come up. There we go. This is the chart that we showed you and uh, this is all symbolic here of the prophets of the Old Testament here. And what the prophets saw, these were mountain peaks of things they saw. They saw the birth of Jesus. They saw Calvary. Uh, they saw the falling of the Holy Ghost. We gave you scriptures for all of these, substantiated all of it. And they also saw the Antichrist. Now, the reason that we are talking about this is because ultimately, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the Antichrist. And I might say this, that to next week, the Lord willing, I'm going to get into the subject that the world is going for one world religion. I'm going to talk to you about the one world religion that this world is headed for. And uh, it's already in the makings, and I'm going to talk to you about it. And uh, so that you'll understand, if you understand these things, you understand why things are happening the way they are. How many of you look at the news sometime and you say, man, that's crazy. That's, where's, where's this going, you know? And when you understand the Bible, you say, wow, isn't it amazing how that everything is right on target with what God has said will happen, you know? So we're going to talk about that next week. But the Antichrist uh, is, the, uh, is the object here. And uh, the, the prophets saw certain things like this. Certain prophets saw one thing, certain prophets saw the other. Uh, Daniel, for instance, did not see the birth of Christ, but he saw the death of Christ. Isaiah saw the death of Christ and the birth of Christ. Uh, Joel saw the falling of the Holy Ghost. And also Isaiah prophesied. So different prophets prophesied different things, but they all desired to see more into what was in these valleys in here. Now, there was another chart that I showed you that they did not see. And uh, I'm showing you this one to bring us up to speed here. This is a showing you the chart. And I'm going to try to fit the prophet in down there on the left-hand side. Can everybody see that okay? Well, we, don't, we can't get it all in, can we? Yeah, we can. Yeah. We've got the Antichrist over here on the right-hand side, the prophets in the left. What they did not see was this valley here of what's called the church age. 
This is a period of time that we know today to be 2,000 years. They did not have any, did not have the foggiest idea how long this would be. They, they thought it was, uh, and I'm gonna show you here in one scripture, whether they, they thought anything, they thought it was just one generation. And I'm gonna give you some scripture on that as well. But uh, they did not see the church age here. So therefore they did not see the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they did not see the gospel being preached in all the world. They did not see the church age. Uh, this to them was all called from beginning of uh, the Jerusalem being destroyed here. This was all called the time of the Gentiles. And to them, it simply meant the Gentiles would dominate Israel, but to them it was a short period of time and that God was going to rectify everything and bring everything in order. Now, I'm not gonna go back over all the scriptures. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going there this morning, but I wanna to talk to you about some new things. If you'll look with us for just a moment in Luke chapter 21 and verse 20, uh, 24 rather, uh, Luke 21 and, and 24, and this is concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and the scattering of the Jewish people that would happen in 70 AD. Jesus prophesied this around close to around 30 AD. He prophesied this would happen. This was just before his death. And so he talked about how that these Jews, the Jews would, uh, would Jerusalem would be destroyed. Look at verse 20. I'll read that so we can tie it together. Verse 20, and when you shall see Jerusalem compass with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is near, nigh, near. And so they, he said, you'll know when you see it surrounded by armies. So when they saw the Roman army come in and surround Jerusalem and everything, the Christians knew this is it, this is gonna happen. There's gonna be the desolation uh, here, it's very near. Now look down in verse 24, and this is what, uh, did happen and this is what Jesus prophesied would happen and they shall fall by the edge of the sword that's the Jewish people now and shall be led away captive into all nations and they were and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles and it was and still is until everybody see the word until until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled the time of the Gentile be fulfilled and the times of the Gentiles is twofold. One is that it would be the time in which the Gentiles would dominate Jerusalem and dominate Israel and dominate Palestine and all that area. So it would be a time in which all that would be dominated by the Gentile people. But it would also meant it would be a time in which God would bring Gentiles into the family of God to be believers, and to walk with him and trust in him and believe in him. That was the positive side of it. Now I'm gonna to talk to you about that and I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter three and I'm gonna show you the second thing that the Gentile, that, the, uh, that the, the Jews did not see or the prophets did not see. So if you go to Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter th three, chapter three and verse three if you would with me. Ephesians 3 and 3, this is Paul writing to the Ephesians. The Ephesians was a Gentile church. They had been converted under Paul. The church age was in process. You're looking at probably around 57, 57 to 60 AD here. 
Paul is in the middle of his evangelistic work, building churches, growing churches, people getting saved, and so forth, and he writes letters. Now, a lot of the epistles that Paul wrote, he wrote them as he traveled from one church to another. He'd be in one city, he'd write a letter or an epistle, as they were called, back to the other churches. And he wrote epistles like that. Later on, when he was put in prison, he also wrote some epistles. So some epistles were written while he was in prison, some written while he was traveling on the evangelistic field. Uh, the, the Ephesians here, look at chapter 3, verse 3. He says how that by, he's talking about himself, how that God has revealed to him some things. He said how that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, Paul is talking about the mystery of Christ that the prophets did not understand, the Jews did not understand. And he's talking about it. Look at verse five, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. You see that? In other words, what I'm going to reveal to you is what they didn't know before now. But God has revealed that to me. And I'm writing that to you to let you know I understand what God is doing in this New Testament period of time. So he says here, which in other ages was not known uh, unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Praise the Lord. That's in the New Testament now. We're talking about in this New Testament period of time that the Old Testament prophets did not see and understand and comprehend or grasp because it was never revealed to them. So he goes on to say then in verse 6 that the Gentiles, and this is what it is, the mystery, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. You see, with the Jewish people, to them salvation was for Israel. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Unto us the plan of salvation would, will come. They did understand that over in the thousand years of peace, that's yet to come, of course, even for us today. That period of time when Israel shall be the forefront nation in all the world, that will happen eventually one day. The Lord will restore Israel as a nation. And I'll come to the end of that, come to that at the end of our lesson here today. But in all of these things, they did not understand that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs with them, joint heirs with them. Joint heirs is another word that Paul used. So he goes on to say here, they did not understand that this wonderful salvation, I'm going to read six again, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. In other words, he's saying that these Gentiles are gonna be just like the Jews. What was promised to Israel is promised to them. Salvation to them is promised now to the Gentiles as well. Uh, the fact that they can be saved is promised to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. But the Jews didn't understand that. They, they, had, they, they just didn't ever grasp that. Even in the beginning of the early church, that's why when Paul, the Lord showed Paul about this, you know, slay the animals and eat. He said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. He said, call nothing I've made unclean. And he said, there's some men at the door. Go with them. These were Cornelius' uh, uh, servants that he had sent up to Joppa to ask Peter to come tell us what we must do 
And so Peter went with, this is the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. Many of you know about it. And Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a Gentile centurion. He was a Roman soldier. He was a Gentile and he was Italian. And all of his family were all gathered together and they said, okay, the angel appeared to me and said, send for you and you would tell us what we have to do. And so Peter's there and he's got about six of his fellow Jews there and they're all bug-eyed looking and what's God gonna do because these are Gentiles and Jews and Gentiles have no right to what the Jews have been promised. And they knew that the, Gent, the Jews had been, the Holy Ghost had been poured out to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. Are you with me? And then when the Holy Ghost fell, their eyes were open, their mouths were open. They said, my Lord, the Lord's pouring out the Holy Ghost upon the Gentiles as well as the Jews. It was there. They never realized that. They never comprehended that. And, uh, and then they heard these Gentiles all speaking in tongues. They said, dear Lord, that's what happened to us. That's how we know we had, the, they knew they had the Holy Ghost for they heard them speak with tongues. You couldn't deny it. Let me just say this. When you get the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues, you can't deny it. Nobody else can deny it. Praise the Lord. It's there. It's real. Amen. You know within yourself, this is the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. And God gave that as the evidence, the initial physical evidence of the Holy Ghost. And now I'm going to go a little further. Look at verse 9 here. We're still in Ephesians chapter 3. And he says, I, he goes on to say, and to make all men see, we're talking about now this, uh, this mystery of God, and that the Gentiles were fellow joint heirs and fellow heirs with the uh, Jews and partakers of the promise of Christ. Now moving down real quickly, just to save time in verse nine here in Ephesians three. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The fellowship, the mystery is the fellowship which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. In other words, God kept it a secret until now. Is everybody with me on this? God, he was saying that this has been hid from the foundation of the world. God never revealed it. Uh, I'm not going to go into this very far, but in the first chapter of Ephesians and the second chapter of Ephesians, it talks about predestination, predestination. Some people think that means I'm predestined, you're predestined. We're predestined as individuals, predestined to be saved. You know, we're predestined from the beginning of time. John Calvin, who was an old, one of the old, uh, the old uh, beginning of the Protestant movement, Reformation leaders. He was the founder of what's called the Presbyterian church. Uh, John Calvin, who lived in, first in France and then in Switzerland, uh, John Calvin believed that you're born to be saved or you're born to be lost. You're predestined. That's what he believed. He believed that. He taught that. And that's believed today, I think, if I'm not mistaken, by the Presbyterian church as a whole and so forth. Now, I'm saying here that that's not what that predestination means in Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. I'm sorry, John Calvin, you were wrong. <laughs> that's not what it means. It means the church was predestined. The Gentile church and the Gentiles with the Jews together in the body of Christ was predestined, that is pre predetermined by God. You are not predestined to be saved. I'm not predestined to be saved, but there is the predestination of the church. The church would be and the church will exist. And while you and I are not predestined to be saved, if you stay in the church and abide in the faith, 
and walk with God, you're going to walk streets of gold. Hallelujah. Because the church is predestined. That's why Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it because the church is predestined. Not me. I'm not predestined. The Bible says, you say, well, Brother Myers, what about that scripture where it says that, uh, that our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world? It's there. You know, our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the, of the world. If my name's written down in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world, then I'm going to be saved. No, no, no. The foundation of the world is talking about the book, not my name. My name is written down in the Lamb's book of life or in the book of life. The book of life is from the foundation of the world. You understand what I'm saying? And if I want to go a little bit further in the third chapter of the book of Revelation, he told one of the seven churches, be careful that I don't, I don't blot out your name out of the book of life. So our names can be blotted out. <laughs> so, so amen. So when you are saved, incidentally, your name's written down in, in the Lamb's book of life, but it's the book from the foundation of the world, not your name written down in it from the foundation of the world. Everybody with me? Praise God. Well, I'm going to go a little bit further here because the Bible tells us here about this wonderful period of time that you and I live in, it's called the church age, or it's called the time of the Gentiles. Uh, I'm gonna spring something else on you here. Everybody ready? Fasten your seat belts, get your feet in, hang on. I'm gonna show you something here. Look in with me in, in Matthew chapter one. And if we were to begin to reading chapter one, verse one, it would be about the genealogy of Christ. And you would be so bored. And it goes all the way down through verse 16. And then when it comes to verse 17, everybody with me? Stay with me. When you come to verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. They're all listed here. And from David unto the carrying away into Babylon, they were captured by the Babylonians, taken into Babylon. That's where Daniel was when he wrote the book of Daniel. They were taken in by the, by the, 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 the from there to the captivity, was 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. That's 42 generations. Everybody still with me? All right, if we go back in the Old Testament, we can very easily see that from Adam, including Adam, to Noah is 10 generations. And from Noah unto Abraham, which is where Matthew picks up, to Abraham is 10 generations. So that's 20 generations. So you have 20 generations before Abraham, and then from Abraham to Jesus, is 42, that makes 62 generations. Jesus Christ being the 63rd, or if you don't just want to name it from Abraham, he is the 43rd generation. Everybody still with me? Now hang on to your bonnets on this one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I want you to go with me to Psalms. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Psalms, and look at chapter 22 and verse 30. 22 and 30. A seed shall serve him. 
it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. I'm going to show you something here right now, folks. If you really give me your attention, I'm going to show you something that a lot of Bible scholars don't even know. I don't say understand. They don't even know about it. Look at this very closely here. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation, a generation. Now, this 22nd chapter of Psalms is all about Jesus. It starts out by saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is 22, 1. This is what Jesus said on the cross when he was dying. Eli, Eli, the I can't even say it. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. You got to be able to throw that Hebrew in there. He spoke pure Hebrew, incidentally. Uh, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And, uh, and, and that's what he spoke on the cross when he was on the cross. They didn't know what he was saying because they spoke an Aram, they called Aramaic at that time. And Jesus spoke these words. What was here? Some on further on down, for instance, down in verse 16, for dogs have compassed me and assembled the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. This is the prophecy of Jesus being crucified. Verse 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. I'm trying to show you here 22nd Psalms about Jesus. So when you come to verse 30, you're still talking about Jesus. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation, the seed. Now, I'm just going to spring off of that word, a seed, there for just a moment uh, over here in Galatians. Let me show you this verse of scripture so that we understand here. 316 in Galatians. Galatians 316, very quickly, and then I'm going to go back to this subject here about this, gener this generation. It says 316, now to Abraham and his seed was the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, that is plural. You see that? This is Paul's part. He saith not to seeds as of many, but as one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So when you read this over in Psalms here, a seed shall serve him. It shall be a kind to the Lord for a generation. So there is, if you want to, if you want to, let's say, let's call it from Abraham. From Abraham, there is 42 generations, Jesus being the 43rd generation. And from that generation, there is no more counting of generations because, I'm going to show you why in a few moments, because Jesus is the generation and he is of Abraham. And you and I have no rights to the promises of Abraham because we are Gentiles, but in Jesus Christ, we do. Praise the Lord. So if you want to just get natural about it and get carnal about it, Jesus Christ being a direct descendant of David, all the promises were unto him and we receive those promises or have a right to those promises through Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. And it's accounted unto him one generation. Let me show you another verse of scripture here that some people read and they think, I don't understand that. That's a little bit, you know, let me show you this one. This is another one. Let me see, this is found in Matthew chapter 23, 24 rather, and verse 34. Look at this. Jesus is prophesying all the things that's going to come to pass. He talks about the things that happened back there. He talks about the things that's going to happen in the future. And he's prophesying all kinds of things, even up about the coming of the Lord and everything. Look at verse 34. 
Verily I say unto thee, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Huh? That generation passed a long time ago, 2,000 years ago. No, no, no. Because with Jesus, it's only one generation. Praise the Lord. All these things will be fulfilled in his generation. And you know why it's called his generation? Because he's still living. <laughs> he's still on the throne. Stay with me on this. Those, those, uh, those generations were counted by the kings, how long they lived. Saul lived uh, 40 years on the throne. 40 years. In the second year of Saul, this happened. In the fifth year of Saul, King Saul, that happened. In the tenth year of King Saul, that happened, and so forth. And then they go to David. David was on the throne for 40 years. And you could say in the, in the 16th year of King David, such such a thing happened. You know, in the 25th year of King David, such such a thing happened. You understand what I'm saying? And then whenever he had completed 40 years, he died. Solomon did the same thing. Each one of them ruled for 40 years. And all through history, kings would rule for a period of time. And you can find that all through the Bible. <clears throat> in the such and such year of a such and such a king. Praise the Lord. You know what year this is? Some of you are already on it. You know what year this is? This is 2017, right? 2017 what? Year of our Lord. This is, in other words, Jesus is still the king. He's still on the throne. That's what all that means. You know, if you go back before zero date is B.C., right? Before Christ. And then if you look at the dates, if you talk about the time afterwards, it's A.D. A.D. does not mean after death. A.D. means Anno Domini, which is Latin for the year of our Lord, which is saying this is 2017 year of our Lord being alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As King of Kings, as Lord of Lords. And as one generation. Because David was his generation. Saul was his generation. Zerubbabel was his generation. But Jesus' generation is us. Praise the Lord. And so for this 2,000 year period of time, this 2,000-year period of time that we're in, they did not see it. They only saw it one generation. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to go a little further with this. Everybody stay with me? You've got to be in Christ. Amen. You've got to be in Him. In other words, in Christ. Praise the Lord. That's why being in Christ is so important. So we are one generation, if we are in Jesus Christ, in him, how do we get in Christ? We get in him by being baptized in his name. He is in us by the spirit, we are in him by the, by the baptism of water. The Bible says, that, you know, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, just as I'm in the Father and the Father in me, so I'm in you and you in me. Okay, he is in us by the Holy Ghost. He said, I will send a comforter. Then he said, I will come unto you. So he is in us in the spirit, but we are in him when we're baptized in his name. Praise the Lord. And it's counted for one generation. Hallelujah. So with the prophets of the Old Testament, they looked and they said, okay, there's one generation. 
Amen. And then the Antichrist and all the other stuff that's going to come has come. They never realized that it would be a period of 2,000 years because Jesus would be alive for that period of time. He would be the king on the throne, and you and I, praise the Lord, are whole and complete in him. That's why the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise. That's why it says we which are alive and remain in Christ. We which are alive and remain in Christ shall be caught up to meet him in the air. Everything is in the Lord. Hallelujah. And so I'm just saying here today, I want to say this to all of us here. Get in Christ. Folks, I'm telling you, there is a, there's a shield. There is a protective coating or something. I don't know how you describe it. It's the spiritual thing. But if we get in Jesus Christ and we get in him by repenting of our sins, being baptized in his name and having the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ covers us when we're baptized. I know the water is what we're baptized in, but the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God moves and the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all of our sins. It's all under the blood. That's why whenever the devil comes around and tries to say to you, oh, blah, 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 remember you did this, you did that, you used to, you used to, and all that kind of, you say, Satan, get from behind, amen. Get away, praise the Lord. Get, get, leave me alone. It's all under the blood. Hallelujah. But we've got to be in Jesus Christ. Amen. And can I go a little bit further? It's not in Mohammed. It's not in Allah. It's not in Confucius. You know, he's the, he's the wisdom of China, just like Solomon was the wisdom of Israel. Confucius, Confucianism. It's not Shintoism. Shintoism is Japanese worship of ancestors. You know, it's not Taoism. You know, reincarnation, that's the, the yin and the yang. That's what you see on the Korean airlines, that big thing that's got the red ball and the black ball and they're chasing each other like that. The yin and the yang. That's what keeps the world spinning, they say. It's the positive and the negative, you know, in the world that keeps them. That's their philosophy. It's not reincarnation. You know, you die. The Bible says we're, it's appointed on a man once to die and then the judgment. It's not Mahavira and, and, and Jainism. It's not Buddhism. It's not Buddha. None of that. It's Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. We've got to be in the Lord. We're saved through him. Not, it's not how nice we are in any religion. It's being in Jesus Christ, having the blood applied to our lives, washing away our sins, hallelujah, and having all of these wonderful things happen in our lives that we may walk with the Lord and serve him and, and know Jesus Christ and all his blessings and his goodness. And so I'm just trying to tell you here today that God is with us. He'll keep his hand on us and he will be with us until he comes. Now, everybody say praise the Lord. I haven't overloaded nobody's wagon, have I? You still with me? All right. Now, when will the mystery end? The mystery, praise the Lord, which is the mystery that there is, there is a, uh, of the Jews and the Gentiles both being saved in the same family of God. And here's the church age, and they didn't see that. I'm going to show you that then Jesus talked about it. Uh, I'm going to show you what Paul had to say. I want you to go to Romans 11.25 with me. Romans 11.25. I'm going to talk about to you when the mystery ends. Now really stay with me on this one because 
This is, connects all the dots. This is what Paul was writing about in this 11th chapter of the book of Romans. is all about the Jewish people and how that God has put them on the back burner. But he hasn't forgotten them and he's going to restore them one day. But in the meantime, they are on the back burner. And God is using, uh, the, the, using the Gentile world. And he's writing to the Romans, which are Gentiles. But he's explaining to them where the Jews fit in all of this. And I won't read you know, all this to you. Just the 25th verse is all I'm going to read to you. It says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Talk about this mystery of the Jews and Gentiles being together in one family, but the Jews as a nation are on the, are on the back burner of God. He said, I, I, I'm going to, don't you be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, would be exalted and lifted up, thinking that you were really something special within yourself. That blindness in part, in part only, all Jews are not blinded to this. There are many Jews who believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah. You, you understand that? And so it's in part. And he goes on to say here that blindness in part is happened uh, to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And when God is through with the Gentiles ruling the world, and when he's ready to make Israel again the most powerful nation on the face of the earth like they were under Solomon, when he's ready to bring that back in and restore Israel to the promises that he had for them one time. At one time, he says that they are going to come to what is the fullness, Paul writing here, Jesus said, until the fullness of the Gentiles be fulfilled. He says here, until the fullness of the Gentiles become in, same thing, completed. When that's all over with, then this mystery of God should be completed. Now, I'm going to show you where that is in the Bible. Everybody ready for this? I'm going to show you that. I want you to go with me over to Revelation. Revelations chapter, uh, chapter 10. Everybody with me? Chapter 10. And this is that mystery where that the Lord is going to show then how that all this wraps up. And I don't, don't have a completion over here, but it starts with the Antichrist. He allows the Antichrist to rule the world for three and a half years. But there's going to be a three and a half year period that he will prepare Israel for the coming of the Antichrist. All of this we've talked about in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9. It's there in 9, 26 and 20, 27. It's there also in Daniel chapter 11 and Daniel chapter 12. All about that. And Daniel is writing and the, the angel Gabriel interpreted all this to Daniel and said, Daniel, this is what all this means. But it's going to be at the last end of time, the last days at the end of time when the wrap up is coming. So we're in the book of Revelation now. Look at, at 10, 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the seventh angel here was the trumpets. They had seven seals that were broken. Then they had seven trumpets. And the angels, one would blow the first trumpet, the second trumpet, and they had already blown six, and now they were coming down to the seventh. And so it says here in this seventh verse, in the days of the angel of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, that is, blow the trumpet, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. 
Everybody still with me? So the mystery of God is going to be complete. It's going to be all over with. And this all starts in, in Daniel, here, in Revelation here, chapter 11. Now, what I'm trying to point out to you here, let me just say back up a moment and say this. The next major spiritual event to happen is the, is the coming of the Lord for his church. Jesus is coming for his church. That's why you want to walk with God and serve the Lord. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. The eating, drinking, marriage, giving in marriage. Up until the very day, up until the very day that Noah entered into the ark. And then, then the floods came. And so Jesus will come, praise the Lord, it just it'll, eating, drinking, marrying, just going on with everyday life. As it was in the days of Lot. They were all, you know, eating, drinking. The day that fire fell from heaven, that's probably early that morning as a caravan heading out across the desert, you know, going to make a long trip. Everything going out, shops were opening up. Guys were putting their stuff out on the sidewalk. And that day when daylight came, the angels were saying to Lot and his family, get out of here. God's going to destroy this city. And when he got them all out, fire fell from heaven and destroyed. So it came suddenly. But up until the very day, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. The Bible talks about that uh, both in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and in these gospel books. So what I'm reading to you here in Revelations is that there is a period of time in which God will deal with the Gentiles and then it will come to an end and it'll be a time that we think not. That's when the rapture will take place. When the rapture takes place, the church will be caught out, be caught away. You do want to be left here after the rapture. And that's what Revelation chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9. Folks, it is a condition that you don't want to be here on this earth during. I'm telling you, if we were to get into those verses of Scripture, huge populations of the world will be killed in wars. There's going to be some nuclear war. All that stuff about, uh, about North Korea over there, all that stuff about, Syria, about Iran having the nuclear war, that all is going to happen. Believe me, it is. It's in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. But you and I, if we walk with God and serve the Lord and we're ready when Jesus comes, we repented of our sins, been baptized in His name, we have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we're living an overcoming life. When that trumpet sounds, we'll rise to meet the Lord in there. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up. And I'd be happy if He came tomorrow. But it won't wait. He says, when you see all these things coming to pass, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. You can't wait till it all begins to happen. You've got to be ready to go because the catching away will be while it is still peaceful times. It's the days of Noah, eating, drinking, marrying, giving, and marrying. Now is the day of salvation. It's time to get ready. If you're not ready to go, now is the time to get ready to meet the Lord. Then we go in the tribulation period, and it's going to be Hades on earth in this world here. For, for the first 10 chapters of the Bible, of the, of the book of Revelation, I should say. Then look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God in the altar and them that worship therein. That's the worshipers. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, <clears throat> for it's given unto the Gentiles. That old temple of Solomon, later on in Zerubbabel, and later on Herod's temple, that had these courts. It had court of the Israel, court of men, court of women. Then they had the court of the Gentiles. And Gentiles could never go any further than that, as far as you could go, as far as this court, this temple was concerned. And so they said, leave that one out. 
And it says, it says here in verse 2, I'm going to read this again. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it's given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot. Forty and two months, that's three and a half years. That's half of the last seven years that's left from the 70 years, 70 weeks, or the 490 years that's been pronounced upon Israel. I've already talked to you about it, and I'm not going to go back in detail on that. But this is what that's in reference to. Look at verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days. A thousand two hundred and three score days is also three and a half years. But it's the first three and a half years of the seven years. The first three and a half years. So the first three and a half years, these two prophets are going to go out and preach to the Jewish people that Jesus Christ was your Messiah. And they are going to be Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah. Look down in verse 6. These have power to shut the heavens that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood. This is what Moses did. Uh, the, uh, the shut the heavens and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Moses did that. Also, Elijah is mentioned here about, uh, about the uh, rain and, and, the, uh, and the fire falling from heaven and so forth. These are the two prophets that God will send back. I've had, I saw a guy one time in our old church down on Palm Bay Road Guy came along in the bathrobe and flip-flops and came in. I was there cleaning the church, working around the church by myself during the daytime. I said, hey, how are you doing? I looked at him, looked up and down. Yeah, he said, I am uh, Elijah. And I'm one of the two prophets come back. Me and Moses are in. I said, really? I said, nice to meet you, Elijah. I'm doubting Thomas. (laughs) I just told him. I'm doubting Thomas. Well, he wanted some money, so he'd get on down the road. You know, I said, yeah, right, okay, I don't have any right here. I, I don't have any, the church doesn't have any. So I said, you know, farewell. So anyhow, he went on down the road. He wasn't, he wasn't Elijah, and he wasn't Moses. But they will come one day, you know. I had a guy tell me one time he and his mother were going to be the two, two witnesses. I said, yeah, right, okay, have it your way. But I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Everybody still with me. And so they will turn the hearts of Israel back to God. And, uh, and then uh, I'm going to give you another verse here. I'm going to wind this up now. I've got about three minutes. I want you to go with me very quickly to Zechariah. I'm going to show you what Moses and Elijah does when they begin to preach the word. And this is in Zechariah chapter 12, and it's prophesied. Verse 9. Verse 9. 12, 9 of Zechariah, and it shall come to pass that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. This is building up to Armageddon now. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace, the spirit of grace. Folks, that's God's favor. That's God's unearned favor. We don't earn it, he just gives it. We have the grace of God. By grace are you saved and that through faith. Grace is God's Goodness to us, Calvary, the shedding of his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, and the washing away of our sins, and, us, and giving us to his Holy Spirit. That's the grace of God. We're saved by grace, and that through faith, through faith meaning our faith is our response to that grace. God did all of that, so what do I do with it? You know, what do I do with it? You, you can't just say, oh, I don't believe, I don't believe. Go ahead and say, I don't believe. If you do, you're going to be lost. But if you say, Lord, thank you for your wonderful grace, and then you repent of your sins and you're baptized in his name and you're filled with his spirit and you begin to walk with God, then by through your faith, you have received the grace of God. You understand what I'm saying? Now with these Jews, 
God is going to give them a dispensation of grace here. So it says here that I will pour upon the house of David. No, I'm just going to pour it out upon David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And then from 11 on down to 14, and I won't read these verses, but these Jews will go to, they will go to God in prayer, everybody apart, women from men and families apart, and they'll get alone on their face before God and they will repent before the Lord and say, God, forgive us. We never knew that Jesus was our Messiah because God will give them that spirit of grace and all of a sudden their eyes will be open. They'll understand Moses and Elijah will preach that unto them. That's why when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, remember in his earthly ministry, and everything, and, I, and he, he was very full of glory and glow and everything. And the, the disciples couldn't look upon him, Peter, James, and John. And there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah. Remember that? On each side of him. And I won't go any further with that, but only to say that they will be those prophets that will come back and preach to Israel. And the Jews will turn back to the Lord. And then they will begin to turn their hearts. And the Jews then, then the 11th chapter of Revelations in the 11th chapter, and their hearts filled with grace, as Zechariah 12 here states, they will become the people of God in that tribulation period. And the Antichrist will say, okay, I think it's time to get rid of the Jews. They will become the Nazism, as it was back in World War II. They will become the Nazis all over the world trying to get rid of the Jews. And God will spare them, protect them, keep his hand on them, fight for them, and everything. And, let the, and the Antichrist will have his day for three and a half years, the second half of that seven-year period that Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 speaks about. Have I loaded your wagon here today? <laughs> Aren't you glad God loves us? Aren't you glad for the Word of God? Aren't you glad for the love of Jesus for His people? Folks, get ready for the coming of the Lord. He is coming back for His church. Hallelujah. God has a plan for Israel, but He has a great, wonderful plan for we are the church. And many Jews will be in the church. They will be in the bride of Christ. They will be in that rapture when that takes place. Would you stand with me together? Let's lift our hands and let's just praise him and worship him together. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord, for this beautiful audience here today. Give us all the love for the things of God and the love for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.